Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 is the key that unlocks our understanding of the book and how it flows through 28 chapters. Before he ascended to the Father, Jesus said to his disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus laid the responsibility for bearing witness to the gospel squarely on his disciples. But he told them to wait for the Holy Spirit, who arrived on the day of Pentecost, exactly 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits. There is no mistaking the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts and his role in the success of the church in any generation. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. You could argue that the church in the book of Acts did more for the growth of Christianity than all the generations that have followed put together. How did they do it? Find out next on today's Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Hi, Brian Davis here. Thanks so much for stopping by. Well, Ron calls it the early church IPO, the initial public outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that the first Christians were able to persevere through hardship, and persecution to launch the church Jesus promised he would build. Stay with us now as Ron takes us to the book of Acts in his continuing series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Or drop by somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. With today's Something Good Radio message, Acts, you shall be my witnesses. Here's Dr. Ron Jones. Wall Street investors uh, are often on the hunt for well, what we might call the next startup company that will explode in growth and uh, yield huge profits. In the tech world, for example, uh, those who invested in uh, Microsoft and Apple and Amazon when um, they were IPOs, initial public offerings. Boy, you invest at that level and uh, hold on to that stock and watch it ride over these decades that uh, you're a wealthy person today. Oh, oh, for the next ones that we can identify, right? Well, imagine the Church of Jesus Christ as an IPO 2,000 years ago. Then only a handful of people had any foresight that it would get off the ground, let alone achieve the worldwide impact envisioned by its founder. Most of the investors, if we want to call them that, were afraid and uneducated, powerless against the mighty Roman Empire. Uh, the tangled religious politics in Jerusalem often left them dismayed. But the church of Jesus Christ has a 2,000-year growth history greater than the most coveted stocks listed on the Dow Jones or the S&P 500, and the church is still yielding eternal profits. Make no mistake about that. Why? Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What happened following the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is truly an amazing story about a uh, revolutionary person and a revolutionary time. And so the next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible is, of course, the book of Acts, which is the inspired record of what I like to call the early church 
IPO, the initial public outpouring of God's Spirit that formed the church, Jesus said he would build. Now, the Acts of the Apostles is part of a two-volume anthology written by, by Luke. Uh, Luke was a medical doctor. Uh, he was obviously a capable historian, as you read through the, the book of Acts. He was also the uh, traveling companion of the Apostle Paul, so he had a, a front row seat to all the Acts of the Apostles and the ministry activities that they went through. Although it follows the book of John in the New Testament, uh, Acts was always intended to be read after Luke's gospel. And this is clear from the introduction of the book where Luke writes uh, in verse uh, 1 and 2, in the first book, O Theophilus, um, a, a Greek businessman perhaps that Luke wrote these two books to, he says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Luke goes on to mention some of the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, which are significant as you're building the circumstantial evidences uh, to his, his resurrection. And Luke refers to those post-resurrection appearances as many proofs. One translation, many infallible proofs, and indeed they are. Uh, the purpose and nature of Acts requires no guesswork. In fact, Luke says his first volume was all about, quote, all that Jesus began to do and teach. I circled the word began in my Bible, and uh, it reminds us that the words and works of Jesus written about in the gospel accounts were merely a beginning some, including the devil, thought that the crucifixion had brought an end to Jesus' life and ministry. But how surprised they were when he walked right out of that grave. Amen? Amen. Uh, through his resurrection, Jesus said, in effect, I'm just getting started. And therefore, Luke's second volume that we know is the book of Acts is about what Jesus continued to do and teach through his disciples. And what a story it is. Boy, strap on your seatbelts for this one because um, uh, these acts of the apostles, well, uh, uh, no pun intended or maybe pun intended, uh, they put their faith into action. And this is an action-packed book. Now, Acts provides a unique bridge between the Gospels and the New Testament epistles. In fact, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 is the key that unlocks our understanding of the book and how it flows through the 28 chapters that we find here. Before Jesus ascended to the Father, he said to his disciples in chapter 1 and verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I read that and I'm struck with the idea that Jesus laid the responsibility for bearing witness to the gospel squarely on his disciples and by implication on us as well as his followers 2,000 years later. He told them then to wait for the Holy Spirit who arrived on the day of Pentecost, uh, exactly 50 days after the Feast of first fruits. Now there is no mistaking the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts and his role in the success of the church. Do you remember the time that Jesus was in the upper room with the disciples on the night before he was crucified? He said to them, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
<laughs> try that on for size if you're a, a real go-getter and a kind of a self-starter type. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He went on to talk about the Holy Spirit, the comforter that he would send. And he told them before he ascended to the Father, don't do anything but pray until the Holy Spirit comes. At the 40-day uh, mark after the resurrection, Jesus ascended back to the Father, and uh, the early church gathered for prayer, and they prayed. They prayed earnestly. They didn't know how long they would have to pray until the Holy Spirit came, but it came 10 days later, uh, right on time as it was according to the Jewish feasts and the schedules. Passover, Jesus dies on the cross. First fruits, three days later, he rises from the dead as the first fruits of the resurrection. 50 days later, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. And of the seven feasts, the Jewish feasts, Jesus fulfilled four of them at his first coming, will fulfill the other three uh, at his second coming. Let's get a 30,000 view foot of the book of Acts. Uh, it can be broken into two main sections. Chapters one to 12 detail the spirit-filled acts, mainly of Peter in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Uh, in chapter eight, a guy named Philip, who we learn is one of the uh, first uh, deacons that we'll talk about a little bit later, he rises to the occasion by proclaiming Christ in Samaria of all places. Yeah, Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, that, that geography that's close to you, then in Judea, and then Samaria? Nobody wanted to go to Samaria, Philip did. We'll talk about that later. His bold witness is significant given the ethnic rift between Jews and Samaritans. Samaritans were half Jews and half Gentile, and so there's all that kind of stuff there. Chapters 13 through 28 record the spirit-empowered acts of a guy named Paul, uh, the apostle to the Gentiles, the guy that God used, the unlikely person God used to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Uh, he is full of uh, what one of my... Seminary professors called grit and grace. He's a gritty man, and we'll, we'll see examples of it, but he is also the apostle of grace. So let's uh, dive in a little bit closer. Again, it's unmistakable that here the early followers of Jesus, uh, they didn't sit comfortably in their pews. They didn't have pews back then. They didn't have any place to just kind of sit down like they're on a you know, carnival cruise ship and wait for somebody to serve them. No, they put their faith into action. Thus, the acts of the apostles. First, the spirit-filled acts of Peter. Now, after Jesus' ascension, the Bible says there were about 120 of his disciples. And they gathered in an upper room in Jerusalem. Might have been the same upper room where Jesus met with his disciples. We don't know. But they went there to pray, waiting for the Holy Spirit, as Jesus told them to do. It was during this time that uh, Peter led the effort to replace Judas, who had betrayed Jesus. They now were 11 disciples. They needed a 12th, and Matthias became um, the new disciple and uh, one of the 12 apostles. Uh, when the day of Pentecost arrived, 10 days after Jesus ascended to the Father, something changed dramatically. It began with what Luke calls a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Tongues of fire landed upon Jesus' followers, and the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They also began speaking in languages not previously known to them. 
as the Spirit uh, gave them utterance. Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Visit our updated website, somethinggoodradio.org, for more information on this series or to hear any of Ron's daily messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, check out our Something Good travel experiences. Travel beyond belief with Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones to Bible lands like Israel, Greece, Italy, Jordan, Turkey, and Egypt. Walk in the footsteps of Jesus or navigate Paul's missionary journeys. Several new travel experiences are now open for registration. Learn more at somethinggoodradio.org travel. If the early church was a startup company, it would be the most successful one the world has ever seen. But it's so much more than that. With the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Acts, you shall be my witnesses. Here's Dr. Ron Jones. Friends, no scene in the Bible is more monumental than Acts chapter 2 and the birth of the church of Jesus Christ. The drama in Jerusalem caused some people to think that the disciples were drunk. I mean, they're speaking in these unknown languages. And Peter steps in with a fresh fire in his belly and a fresh boldness in his breath. And he refutes their accusation. He says, no, it's only the third hour of the day. We're not drunk. And he immediately links what is happening to an Old Testament prophecy found in the second chapter of the book of Joel, uh, a day when God will pour his spirit out on all flesh, Joel says. And Peter, P- Peter immediately recognizes the situation. And then he preaches his first sermon, the first sermon of the church era. He preaches Christ and him crucified and risen again from the dead. He does so boldly and uh, without any equivocation. And and 3,000 people come to faith in Christ that day. What a day it was when the Holy Spirit came and the church that Jesus said he would build, it exploded in Jerusalem. And suddenly they got 3,000 new babes in Christ. And this was only the beginning. Luke goes on to say that uh, the new disciples enjoyed authentic biblical community, having everything in common. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, and Acts 4, 32 to 37. Write those down as as glimpses into just what was going on in the early church. I have a lot of people that look in on that and say, oh, I want to be a part of an Acts 2 kind of church. Absolutely, uh, we do. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And it says, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And you can trace a phrase like that all throughout the book of Acts. The Lord was adding to their number. The Lord was adding to the number. The church grew. The Lord was adding to their number. And some scholars say that by a a, a very short order, the church in Jerusalem was 15 to 20,000 people strong. The Holy Spirit came, and this church that Jesus said he would build was off to an amazing, amazing start. 
Uh, many wonders and signs, they say, were being done by the apostles. For example, in chapter 3, on his way to the temple with John to pray, Peter miraculously healed a lame beggar, telling him, I love this, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he did. And uh, everybody uh, uh, paid attention to it, and there was a great stir happening around the temple in Jerusalem. Peter followed with his second stirring sermon about Jesus, uh, proclaiming without uh, any hesitation, without any vagueness, and there is salvation in no one else, chapter 4 and verse 12, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Try proclaiming that today and not getting canceled by some elite group out there. Uh, Peter wasn't afraid of that. And there were plenty of religious leaders and others that were quick to cancel them in their own way, arrest them, throw them in prison, try to silence them in so many ways. But Peter was bold in the proclamation of the gospel and in the exclusivity of Christianity. There's one way to salvation. It's Jesus Christ. When people say that, you know, we Christians are just making that up. No, the early followers of Jesus were just echoing what he said when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The religious leaders objected. They arrested the apostles for preaching the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, they charged them, listen to this, not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And then they released them. Well, what do you think these apostles did? Uh, Peter and John responded boldly as we're learning of them. Chapter 4 and verse 19, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Way to go, Peter. Way to go, John. Uh, standing bold for the cause of Christ. Numbers were surging in Jerusalem. And at that time, the early church experienced a brief setback when Ananias and Sapphira died because they lied to the Holy Spirit about their financial giving. Why would they do that? But uh, it was important for the Lord to establish the purity of his church as it got off the ground. And their death, right in the middle of a worship service there, the Bible says it produced great fear among the people. Yeah. Uh, they, I, that, that'll do it, right? Just fall over and die right in the middle of the church there. However, God continued to work signs and wonders through the apostles, and Luke tells us that the church grew in numbers. Of course, this filled the religious leaders with jealousy, and they arrested the apostles again. Once more, Peter and the apostles replied boldly to their threats, and they said, listen to this, we must obey God rather than men. Now, I'm not suggesting they said that with a, a, you know, a little knife dig or they were rude about it. There's no reason to be rude for Jesus. Uh, rudeness and boldness are not necessarily the same thing. But they, they boldly drew a line when it was appropriate and said, you know, we're just not going to do that. We've got to obey God, not man. Maybe you're in the same situation. When they said that, a respected Pharisee named Gamaliel helped cool hot heads, and he reminded his colleagues, chapter 5 and verse 38, for if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail, but if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. 
three cheers for Gamaliel, who spoke the truth. And, uh, and here we are 2,000 years later. It, was it a God thing or a man thing in the first century? Well, if it was a man thing, the early church and the gospel would never have gotten out of the first century. It would have just fizzled and died. But here we are 2,000 years later, and uh, it's clearly, clearly a, a, a God thing. The uh, chapter 5 then uh, concludes by saying, And every day in the temple and from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. I'm struck with the fact that the early followers of Jesus, these disciples and the apostles, were always on message. They never wavered from their message. Why? Because they believed it. The Jerusalem church grew so large that the apostles needed help responding to the many requests for physical support. Luke says that while devoting themselves to prayer and preaching, the apostles chose seven men. The criteria was full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And he charged them, or the apostles did, to organize uh, the care of the congregation. I love how the apostles set their, their priorities they saw the needs in the church, but they said, in effect, we, can't, we don't have time to address that. Our, our job is prayer and the preaching of God's word. But they raised up what we call the first deacons. The first deacons to care for the congregation. And they got other people involved uh, in that care ministry. Stephen was among one of the first deacons. And we learn very quickly after that in chapter 6 and all of chapter 7, Stephen takes center stage and uh, he, he's arrested and he's put on trial and uh, he, he is uh, seen testifying to uh, his faith in the resurrected Christ. And after testifying boldly before the high priest, Stephen was stoned to death. He became the first martyr of the church. Are you or have you ever been persecuted for your faith in Christ? You're in good company. And as we see in the book of Acts, that persecution did the opposite of its intention. It caused the church to grow, not die away. And it continues to grow even now. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good radio message, Acts. You shall be my witnesses. And we'll pick it up right here tomorrow when Ron continues his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. It takes partnership for the body of Christ to fulfill the Great Commission. It always has. Today, Ron invites you to join him in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through the Something Good Radio broadcast. When you partner with us, we'll start by sending you a copy of Ron's popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, Exploring Its Amazing Secrets. Other 828 Club benefits will arrive throughout the year. To join the 828 Club today, look for Something Good Partners at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or call 757-276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'll send you an ebook written by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with this current series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. This great resource covers road trip number six in our journey, each of the four Gospels plus the Book of Acts. And it's our gift to you for your gift to Something Good Radio. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 
877-276-2456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Boldly proclaiming the gospel wherever they went. That initial public outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that's for you and for me as well. It happens at the moment of salvation, if I understand the New Testament correctly. The Holy Spirit is the down payment on our salvation. And he comes to empower us. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've got the Holy Spirit. You've got all the resources you need to be a bold witness for Jesus Christ. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get. The question is, does the Holy Spirit have you? That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares part two of his message, Acts, you shall be my witnesses. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.